0: While the bye week can serve as a good opportunity to evaluate where the Gamecocks are currently at, it's also a good opportunity to evaluate where their future opponents are currently at. I'll discuss that and more today on the Locked On Gamecocks podcast. Our Locked On Gamecocks, your daily podcast on the South Carolina Gamecocks, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, Gamecock Nation, and welcome back to the Locked On Gamecocks podcast, your show for daily headlines and potential storylines on your favorite South Carolina Gamecocks sports teams. I'm your host, Andrew Lyon, and as always, thank you once again for making the Locked On Gamecocks podcast your first listen or watch every day. We are free and available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts daily. And before I get into today's show, I'd like to quickly thank LinkedIn Jobs for being the official college football recruiting sponsor across the Locked On College network. LinkedIn Jobs helps you find the candidates you want to talk to faster. So post your job for free at LinkedIn.com slash college. Terms and conditions do apply. Okay, so on Tuesday's show. I went back and looked at what South Carolina has done up to this point in the 2022 football season. I talked some positives and negatives from both the offensive and defensive side of the ball and discussed some adjustments that I felt like both sides of the ball need to make. So now that I've evaluated where the Gamecocks are at, I wanted to sort of get an idea of where some of the Gamecocks' future opponents are currently standing right now, based on some of the statistics, both on the offensive and defensive side of the ball. And when looking at these future opponents and where they currently stand, I wanted to use this in order to get a better idea of maybe some areas that are going to be of vital importance for South Carolina throughout the rest of this season. So that is what I'm going to do on today's show providing context first with where their opponents stand and then in the latter half of the show talking about what the Gamecocks need to do in order to have the most success in these final six games. So let's go ahead and get right into it by looking at their first opponent in the second half of the season in week eight which is the Texas A&M Aggies. Now On offense, the Aggies are scoring a putrid 21.5 points per game on average, which is the second worst mark in the SEC. And they have the third worst mark in the SEC in terms of both passing offense and rushing offense. When looking at the defensive side of the ball, the Aggies are a lot better on this side as they're only allowing 18.8 points per game on average, which is the 6th best mark in the SEC. In terms of passing defense, the Aggies are only giving up 175.5 passing yards per game, which is the 4th best mark in the SEC, which sounds really good until I mention the rushing defense, and then you get a little bit of a better idea as to why their passing defense might be really good. As in terms of rush defense, the Aggies have given up 189.5 rushing yards per game, which is the worst mark in the SEC. Now, they have played a pretty tough schedule up to this point. They've played out-of-conference foes like App State and Miami. They've also played some really solid conference teams from the SEC West, of course, in Arkansas, Mississippi State, and Alabama, and they've had to play all these games away from home. So, some notable things. They only scored 17 points against both App State and Miami with Haynes Cant quarterback, and he's likely going to be taking snaps once again now that Max Johnson seems like he could be out For the season due to an injury and in terms of their defense this seems like a defense that allows the opponent to run the football at will between the 25 yard lines but can lock things down in the red zone so you might get a bunch of yards against them but you still got to find a way to score points against this Aggies defense that's the makeup of the Texas A&M Aggies and when looking at the Missouri Tigers, the Gamecocks opponent in Week 9, it's kind of the same story, but to a lesser extent. The Tigers are only averaging 25.2 points per game on offense, which is the third worst mark in the SEC. They're the worst team in the SEC in terms of passing offense, averaging only 207.7 passing yards Per game, And in terms of rushing yards, the Missouri Tigers are in the middle of the pack in the SEC as they're only rushing for 166.5 rushing yards per game. When looking at defense, it's definitely this side of the ball that is keeping Missouri in some of these football games. Their defense is only giving up an average of 24.7 points per game. And in terms of passing defense, they have the sixth best mark in the SEC, giving up only 191.5 passing yards per game. Rush defense is a little bit worse, but still not too bad, giving up 138.3 rushing yards per contest, which is eighth in the SEC. Now, some notes from their schedule. They have played sort of a bet type schedule so far this season, which could definitely be held against them. They play teams like Abilene Christian, Louisiana Tech, and I count Auburn in this group only because they're probably the worst team in the entire SEC Western Division, but yet Missouri managed to draw them as their rotational opponent from that division this football season. I will give Missouri credit for this. They've had a lot of really close games. Three of their four losses are by seven points or less, which includes a matchup against Georgia from just a couple weekends ago. And the biggest struggle when looking at this team from a bird's eye view seems to be the fact that they aren't able to consistently move the ball on offense. So if the Missouri Tigers cannot show up in a road environment in Williams Bryce Stadium, the Gamecocks could very well take advantage of that fact. And then when looking at the Gamecocks next opponent week 10 in the Vanderbilt Commodores. The Commodores are doing quite well in terms of their offense. They're averaging 33.2 points per game, which is right in the middle of the pack in the SEC. Now, in terms of passing offense, they haven't really taken a whole lot of steps forward here. They're averaging 212.3 passing yards per game, which is the second worst mark in the SEC. Rushing offense is where they really make their money on offense. They're averaging 167.5 rushing yards per game, which is the eighth best mark in the SEC. In terms of defense, uh, Clarkley might be a defensive guy, but this defense, quite frankly, has been offensive for this entire season up to this point. They are dead last in both scoring defense and passing defense. And in terms of rushing defense, it's not a whole lot better as the Commodores have given up an, as the Commodores have given up an average of 155.5 rushing yards per game, the fifth worst mark in the conference. Now, when looking at their schedule up to this point, They've done pretty well against lower-level competition. Teams like Hawaii, who they blew out, in course, in Week 0. A team like Elon, which is an FCS Team, and of course, you've also got Northern Illinois, but they've struggled mightily against the better teams they played on their schedule. And admittedly, the three teams that they've played that are considered to be better would probably give any team a lot of trouble. The teams that they faced were Wake Forest, Alabama, and Ole Miss. I believe all three of these teams are ranked in the top 25. So yeah. Vanderbilt has definitely seen a lot of ups and downs in terms of how their season has gone to this point. They do look to be better at running the football on offense, but they can't stop a nosebleed on defense. So this could be the kind of game where South Carolina's offense could really find a groove in terms of staying balanced, both in the passing game and in their rushing attack, which is going to be vital for them to do better throughout the second half of their schedule. So now that we've looked at those three teams, How do Florida, Tennessee, and Clemson look when looking at the second half of the season and what they've done up to this point through the first half of the year? We're going to talk about those teams in just a few moments, but before we do so, I need to talk to you about our sponsors over at LinkedIn Jobs. These days, every new potential hire can feel like a high-stakes wager for your small business because you want to be 100% certain that you have access to the best qualified candidates available, and that's why you should check out LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn Jobs is here to make it easier to find the people you want to talk to faster and for free. Myself being a recent college graduate, I've been able to stay in touch and create a network with many people who are alumni of the University of South Carolina, which could open the door for a future small business job opportunity for either myself or or all the people that are in my own personal network. And when you use LinkedIn Jobs, you can create a job post in minutes to reach both your own personal network and a worldwide professional network consisting of 810 million People. You can also add your job to the purple hashtag hiring frame on your profile, which helps you to find the right people that fit the job description to a T using tools like screening questions to filter through candidates and populate viable choices. This is why small businesses rate LinkedIn jobs number one in delivering quality hires versus other leading competitors in the industry. Because LinkedIn Jobs helps you find the qualified candidates that you want to talk to at a much faster rate. Did you know that every week nearly 40 million job seekers are visiting LinkedIn? Post your job for free today at linkedin.com slash lockedoncollege. Once again, that's linkedin.com slash lockedoncollege to post your job for free today. Terms and conditions still apply. Welcome back to the Locked On Gamecocks podcast, where we cover your South Carolina Gamecocks every single day. All right, so I've covered South Carolina's first three opponents that they're going to be facing in the second half of the schedule, and what they've done up to this point this season. So now let's continue that discussion with the Florida Gators, who the Gamecocks are going to be playing in Week 11. Now, Billy Napier came to Gainesville with this whole reputation that he was an offensive guy that he was going to help to build Florida's offense up and he has proven that so far Florida is averaging 30.8 points per game on offense which is good for a modest ninth place in the SEC out of 14 teams and in terms of passing and rushing offense they rank fifth and fourth in the SEC respectively. Now, admittedly, the success on offense has not translated to success on the defensive side of the ball for the Gators up to this point. As they're giving up an average of 25.3 points per game on defense, which is the third worst mark in the SEC, they're giving up 226.8 passing yards per game, which is the fifth worst mark in the SEC. But the worst facet of the Gators' defense is by far their inability to stop the run. As the Gators are giving up 186 average rushing yards per game, which is the second worst mark in the entire conference. So when looking at their schedule, Florida has had sort of a bit of a mixture of tough opponents and some lesser talented opponents. The tougher opponents being Tennessee, Utah, and Kentucky, while the lesser opponents they have played up to this point have been Eastern Washington, South Florida, and Missouri, who again, no offense to Missouri Tigers, I'm just kind of grouping them in there, considering that they're probably a little bit less talented than the other three teams that I mentioned just a moment ago. Another interesting note for the Gators, six of their first seven games for this season are at home. Just a side note, I really don't know how on earth that possibly happens when you have people scouring over all of these teams, the potential schedule scenarios they could come up with, but I digress. When looking at Florida's offense, they seem like they need a really strong running game in order to be able to build up the passing game, to open up the playbook a little bit more, because Anthony Richardson, you know, It's been talked about multiple times by many people who cover the Florida Gators, including Locked On's own Brandon Olsen over at Locked On Gators. Anthony Richardson has all the physical tools that you could possibly want in a quarterback. And he's got a really solid arm in terms of his arm strength. The tough part for him has been trying to sort of harness all of that. And there is been some pretty bad moments for Anthony Richardson in some of these games if the rushing attack is not working to its full capabilities, if it's not able to really provide him a lot of support. On the defensive side, again, the Gators can hold up against some more lackluster offenses, but if they face a team that's got a really solid running game, that's when the Gators can get into some trouble. It's how they lost their game in particular against the Kentucky Wildcats in Week 2, despite the fact that they were coming off a huge win against Utah the week before, and they had home field advantage. In Week 12, the Gamecocks are going to be playing their second-to-last game of the season against the Tennessee Volunteers in this one. On offense, I don't even really need to say a whole lot about Tennessee's offense. Uh, they're great all around. They're the best team in the conference in terms of scoring offense, averaging 46.8 points per game so far. They had the second best mark in the SEC in terms of passing offense. And then with rushing offense, they have the fifth best mark in the SEC. Again, not a whole lot that goes awry for the Volunteers on that side of the ball. On defense, it's a little bit more of a mixed bag. In terms of scoring defense, the Volunteers are holding their opponents to an average of 17.8 points per game, which is the fifth best mark in the SEC, and it's a pretty solid one when you compare that with the juggernaut of an offense that they've got. Their passing defense, however, is very concerning as the Volunteers are giving up an average of 307.4 passing yards per game. That's the second worst mark in the SEC, which is probably the reason why they have the third best mark in the SEC in terms of rush defense as they're giving up only an average of 89.4 rushing yards per game. So I'm not sure if it's because the rush defense does so great that teams just decide to throw the ball or if it's just teams just don't try to run the football on the volunteers because they know they're going to be able to throw it all over the yard against their secondary. I'm going to assume that it's the latter. It's not very often that you have the former scenario really play out that way. But again, we'll find out more as we get closer to this matchup with the Volunteers. Again, offensively, don't have to say a whole lot. This is a team that can do just about whatever they want on that side of the ball. And defensively, it seems like if they face a team that has a solid enough rushing attack and a competent enough passing attack, then they can be exposed on that side of the ball, especially when you consider the pacing that they like to run with on the offensive side, which can lead to very short drives for that side of the ball, but long, sustained, extended drives for their defense when they are out there on the field. And then lastly, we have the Clemson Tigers, who have admittedly done pretty well to this point in the season, considering the potential question marks, especially on the offensive side of the ball. You got to give the Tigers some credit. So far, when they've had a few tests or roadblocks in their way, they've answered the bell. In terms of scoring offense, the Tigers are right now 19th in the country, averaging 39.3 points per game. With their passing offense and rushing offense, both of those marks are right around average, maybe slightly above average, as they're 56th in the country in passing offense and 54th in the country in rushing offense. In terms of their defense, this is still a very good defense, but this defense does have some holes. In terms of their scoring defense, they're only giving up an average of 18.3 points per game and i say it that way because usually clemson ranks inside the top 10 or top 5 but right now they're only ranked 25th in the fbs passing defense has been an achilles heel however for this clemson tigers defense they're giving up an average of 256 passing yards per game which is 95th in the fbs Rush defense, however, is a completely different story for all the right reasons for the Tigers. They're only giving up an average of 62.2 rushing yards per game. That's the second best mark in all of college football right now. So when looking at Clemson's schedule, obviously, it's pretty clear they have not played necessarily the greatest of teams week in and week out. Playing teams like Georgia Tech, like Furman, like Louisiana Tech, and Boston College. Of course, two of those opponents being Conference foes, one being an FCS opponent, another one being a group of five team. They have played a couple of decent teams, however, on their schedule in Wake Forest and wait for NC State. The NC State victory in particular was quite the impressive one. For This Tigers team offensively they do seem to be a bit more balanced this year it seems like they don't have to rely as much on their rushing attack that's spearheaded by Will Shipley which does make them a more dangerous team in terms of being able to sustain long productive drives and give themselves a chance to score on any given possession when they have the football defensively again they're not great necessarily but they're still pretty good. They struggle against really good passing teams, it seems like, but they can shut down the running game and they can make an offense one-dimensional, which, more often than not, if a defense is able to do that, they're going to probably have a lot of success against that opponent that they're facing on that given day or night. So, with a lot of these opponents remaining on the schedule and taking a quick look now at the way the teams have performed so far this season... It seems like in my eyes that there are going to be some opportunities that will abound for the South Carolina Gamecocks in different areas. There will be areas that they will have to excel in if they want to win the majority of these football games. So I'll touch on all that in just a few moments. But before I do so, how many of y'all are interested in trying to find a really good, nutritious, healthy protein bar? If you're one of those people, then I've got the answer for you. When you look at Built.com, they got a new flavor that is out on the market right now. And let me tell y'all, I've tried it myself. It is amazing. Imagine this. Cookie dough and marshmallow, and it's all covered in chocolate. I need to say anything else. Okay, fine. I'll continue then. They're only 160 calories. They have a whopping 15 grams of protein, and it is the perfect treat. What's great about Built is that all their bars are also made with collagen protein, which your body absorbs more efficiently and provides tons of health benefits. It's quite healthy for you. Whether you need a snack after workout, a late-night treat, or you just need to grab a quick bite to eat, Built is the perfect protein bar, and at the same time, it can taste better than a candy bar. Quite dangerous, I know. So get to Built.com today to order your box of cookies, Cookie dough chunk puffs now. And if you're looking to save money because of the times we're going through right now, we've got you covered there as well. When you go to built.com, be sure to use the promo code locked on15 to get 15% off of your order. Once again, that's locked on 15 for 15% off at built.com. Go right now while the offer lasts. Welcome back to this Wednesday edition of the Locked On Gamecocks podcast where we cover your team every single day in just minute. 30 minutes. All right, so I've talked about sort of where the rest of the Gamecocks opponents stand at this point in time, now that we are six weeks into the 2022 college football season. So, when looking at the rest of South Carolina's opponents and sort of how they performed on offense and defense, what are some things where the Gamecocks will really need to perform at a high level in order to? What are some areas where the Gamecocks are going to need to perform at a really high level if they want to win the majority of these football games? Well, the first area that I'm going to point to is third down defense. Now, obviously, I've talked about third down defense multiple times now on this show. But Before I dive into why third down defense is going to be important, let me give you all some stats real quick. In terms of the rest of South Carolina's SEC opponents that they have yet to play, Those teams collectively, on average, are scoring 31.5 points per game. This includes the Tennessee Volunteers. And this mark would be tied for 58th in the FBS if it was just one singular team. Now, if Tennessee was dropped from this group, This number drops from 31.5 points per game to 27.7 points per game, which will be tied for 81st in the FBS, which will be a slightly below average mark compared to the rest of college football. So why does third down defense and these stats matter here? Well, this could mean that these offenses are having issues in terms of being able to sustain some drives. Maybe they need some plays to bounce their way via maybe some turnovers or maybe a huge explosive play that gets them really far down the field in just one snap. Otherwise, we could assume that most of these offenses, besides Tennessee's obviously, are having to earn their points. Now, South Carolina, against Power 5 opponents up to this point in the year, has allowed a third down conversion rate of 45.9%, which I'm going to just tell y'all, flat out, is just not good enough. Now, South Carolina's remaining SEC opponents, on average, have converted 37.8% of the third down attempts, which, again, if you make it one singular unit, compared to the rest of college football, that would be tied for 83rd in the FBS. So... How does South Carolina need to play better on third down? Well, they need to force some more second and long and third and long situations, meaning that they got to stuff some more runs from their opponents. And secondly... Use your athletes that you have both on the defensive line and in the defensive backfield and the experience that they bring. Try to make it more of a well-oiled machine whenever you blitz. I've talked about this multiple times on this show. If you do just that, then you'll get off the field more often. But you got to utilize the guys that you have on that side of the ball to the best of their abilities. If you do that, South Carolina, in my opinion, will do better on third down defense, which will help them to see a lot of success against some of these offenses that they're going to face in SEC play throughout the rest of the season now another area that needs to really excel throughout the rest of this season in terms of sec play is passing offense as for the remaining sec opponents the average passing defense is giving up 245 passing yards per game which would rank 90th out of 131 fbs teams clemson by the way in this area ranks 95th in the fbs which is also well below average now Why is this important? Well, obviously, most offenses these days in football need to have a solid passing attack. You need to have a quarterback who can really help your offense drive down the field. Now, the rushing offense has picked up in recent weeks, as I've talked about on this show with Marshawn Lloyd. So, the passing offense now needs to pick up some of the slack on their end, and they need to help provide more of an adequate balance. Spencer Rattlers, I've talked about before, he's got a lot of talent. Nobody denies that, but the thing is, he has got to learn how to harness that. He, of course, has got to learn how to be able to read the field much better in this pro-style offense, and he shows glimpses of being able to make some progression in this kind of area, but then he has plays like maybe that Late first half interception that he threw when he was trying to get the ball to Austin Stockner against Kentucky, and you see a play like that and you sit there and go, gee whiz, I thought that he was progressing, but then he makes a play like that, and now the opponent just got another possession that they quite honestly should not have. So he's got to learn how to harness his talent and do all of these things better. And another thing with this passing offense, because it's not all on Spencer Rattler, this offense has got to see at least one more receiving target get more involved in this offense outside of Jalen Brooks and Antoine Wells Jr. Because, listen, as great as both those guys have played so far this year, the moments that those guys have had in some of these ball games, none of these guys are, quite frankly, a receiver that can take over a football game on their own. So, if that's the case then the sum of the parts has to be greater than just one individual player in this receiver group, which means another guy has got to step up. Who is that going to be? Is Jaheim Bell going to get more opportunities? I'm going to tell you right now through six games – Around 100 snaps is not enough snaps for a guy who, quite frankly, is an All-American caliber tight end and a guy who could be a potential first-round pick in April. At least he has that ability. You need to give him a chance to showcase that more. What about Amari Brown? Could they get maybe some more plays involved where he gets the ball maybe on the edge or in the backfield, maybe some scat-back type plays, and he could explode down the field for some extra yards? What about Austin Stogner? You have weapons. Josh Van, who has been MIA in terms of the offense up to this point this season for one reason or another or multiple that are all in play at one time. So... Either way, one more receiving threat's got to show up. If that happens, the passing offense will do better, which, again, the Gamecocks are going to need against some passing defenses that they're going to face that are not going to be really good. So the door could be open. The question is, are you going to kick it down in terms of your passing offense? Now, the last area that they need to improve on or that they're going to need to excel at For the rest of this schedule is the other facet of the offense, the running game. Now, the average rush defense for the remaining SEC opponents that the Gamecocks have to play is 151.74 rushing yards allowed per contest. Which again, if ranked as one unit, would rank 82nd out of 131 FBS teams. Now, if you take Tennessee's rush defensive average out of this equation, which again is quite low probably because their pass defense is not very good, then this average jumps to 167.32 rushing yards per game, which would rank 96th out of 131 FBS teams. The reason that this rush offense needs to excel, Marshawn Lloyd has now shown what he can do. He's done it against lower-level competition. He's now shown it against a conference opponent. You've got other guys in that room, and Christian Smith, and Juju McDowell. Utilize all these guys to the best of their abilities. In terms of the edge runs, look, South Carolina clearly has not been able to get enough going in terms of their perimeter running game. So throw out Juju McDowell and let him go out there. At least he's going to have the speed to make up for any lack of blocking that might happen at times in terms of those run concepts. Keep Marshawn Lloyd in there for more of the zone run type concepts, where It's basically the O-line's blocking an area, and he's got to make the correct read in terms of which gap to hit. Still let him be the primary back. Get him more than 20-plus rushes or carries per game. Christian Bill Smith, if it's third and short, and you got to send a guy out there, send that man out there. He's not afraid to run guys over, lower his head, put his body on the line for this football team. Utilize those guys to the best of their abilities, and also call some running plays that are going to help fit the skill set of the offensive line that you have on this roster. Again, I've mentioned this constantly. They helped get South Carolina, a near SEC leading rusher in 2020 against an all SEC schedule with Kevin Harris. If they could do it that year, then they can help out guys that are just as talented as Kevin Harris in Marshawn Lloyd, Juju McDowell, and even Christian Beal Smith. They can help those guys out, utilize them to the best of their abilities. With that being said, that's going to do it for today's show, the Locked On Gamecocks podcast. I hope y'all thoroughly enjoyed today's show as always. What are y'all's thoughts on what the Gamecocks need to excel at in order to win the majority of these games the rest of the way? What are your thoughts on the opponents that the Gamecocks have yet to face and what they have on offense and defense, what they've shown so far this year? I want to hear all of y'all's thoughts as always down below in the comment section if you're watching today's show on YouTube. But of course, if you're listening to today's show on an audio podcast app, you can also shoot me a message at line underscore SC on Twitter, and I'll be sure to respond to any reply or comment that you have for me as quickly as I see it throughout the day. And of course, if you've enjoyed the Locked On Gamecocks podcast, but maybe you want some more in-depth knowledge on all of these teams, you can go check out Chris Gordy over on Locked On SEC, where he covers the entire league in just 30 minutes with the help and assistance of the local team experts from Locked On who cover SEC programs. So make Locked On SEC your second listen after, of course, the Locked On Gamecocks podcast. But once again, y'all, that does it for me on today's show. I hope that y'all have a great rest of your Wednesday, and I'll catch y'all on the next show of the Locked On Gamecocks podcast.